Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on where you are, what time you are watching and listening to this. My name is Winston, and today we have another amazing guest, Laura Erdem. Um, a lot of you would know her from, from LinkedIn. I consider her one of LinkedIn's rising B2B stars. Um, Laura, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting Winston. And yeah, thank you for the rising stars. Like, no pressure, huh? <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. But I mean, I, I just to, to 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 really help people understand who you are. So you've held position as business process lead. You know, you've done enterprise account management. Um, you are a board member, you know, sales advisor, and now you're exec account executive for Dream Data, which I I have to tell you, it surprised me a lot when I saw that because, and I tell you why, and it's a good thing, don't worry. Based on your level of influence that I noticed within Dream Data as well as um on the LinkedIn platform, I really thought you were probably at the very least like a VP of sales, if not a head of sales or CRO. So when I saw that, it literally blew my mind, but it, it, in a good way because now... I, I love that you, as an ex account executive, were able to build up your presence so much and your influence so much on LinkedIn, because now it, it kind of helps people to understand that you don't necessarily need to have a C-suite title to be able to do that. And and that's definitely one of the things I, I want you to walk us through in, in this interview, along with a whole bunch of other things. Fantastic. Yeah, I understand that. I get that sometimes as well on other people's profiles. When I come over to their profiles, I, oh, really? Just that? But I'm happy that you mentioned it because this is my aspiration. So it's kind of, it's not fake it till you make it, but maybe learn it till you make it. But VP sales is my aspiration. This is what I'm going after. So if I'm already perceived like that online, it's a great thing. Because it shows that there is something that I can share for people to perceive it both through my experience, but also from the way of speaking that, well, the road is just there to be led over because people already trust that this is a possible pos uh, position that I'm going to be at. Yeah, so in, in terms of my experience, so you asked like to walk you a little bit through of what I've done and so on. So. I started in sales for, I think now, seven or eight years ago. I jumped from a management position in a bigger enterprise into sales because I fell for it. I, I, felt, I felt that this could be something that I like to do instead of doing like coordination of the teams and this and that, hiring and so on. Then I, I want to try sales. And I started looking for a job because I couldn't get promoted in the company that I was at. And I started at ins as inside sales at Red Hat and slowly grew into account manager for our large key accounts and so on. And that was a fantastic journey because it was kind of a side, a side jump from a higher, nice paying management position into a sales position and growing from there. But again, selling at enterprises, selling to the public sector, selling to like energy companies and so on, all that big kind of stuff like enterprise managers do. And then I moved over to Gartner as well as account executive, having a portfolio of like biggest Danish accounts settling to C-level and so on. So everything that I did before Dream Data was being that typical sales not aligned with marketing type of a salesperson. And when I joined Dream Data, 
The first thing that happened in the first half a year when I joined them as an account executive, I failed. Like, shit failed. First six months, I was trying Whoa. all of those <laughs> tactics that I was able to do at enterprises. It did not work. Like, everything felt flat. But I needed to try it out because this was the way I was trained to do. I know how to do discoveries. I know how to do this. I know how to sit at the table with a lot of men and sell to them during the dinner and stuff like that. But I don't know how to do outbound and smaller accounts and stuff like that. So, and But as soon as we broke through after the half a year, everything accelerated. So I was the first account executive to do non-co-founder deals. That's where we started LinkedIn as well. So we saw a big blast of things changing actually as well after that half a year but it's a long time half a year for a salesperson joining a sales team and not being able to sell and you join it like you hire a person with a lot of experience she comes from Gartner and someone's like mm, not good <laughs> not doing great. <laughs> so um, I've been here for two years now and it has really accelerated half a year after it's it's going really good well, Laura, there's there's so many things I want to unpack from what you just I I'm I don't even know where to start, but I think where I'll start is that you you mentioned about um you know not being uh, well I guess Dream Data was actually the first company where you actually had that marketing and sales alignment. I'm curious, how was it before Dream Data? Both from you know you being a sales professional within these companies as well as how you were perceiving marketing um in these other companies yeah so marketing and sales alignment in the companies that i've been at before was basically very simple events and marketing hello we're going to an event can you help us out with preparing the banners and the booth and then when we're back Marketing is coming back and say, hey, sales, where is the list of leads? We need to calculate the ROI of the event. It's like nobody used to calculate the full ROI or anything. And so on. it's like, this was the per perception for me. Or, oh, let's get on the Gartner uh, list somewhere and let's pay for that. This is marketing. This is what they do. They write things and so on. And there were amazing people. I really love them. But this is what I knew about marketing. That's it. Everything else sales like the big hunters go out and hunt come back with the big animal everybody celebrates that's it this was what i used to do and when i came into dream data my perception changed like instantly after i met our cro he is an amazingly competent person i have not met a more competent marketing person in my life like really structured the way we work he always thinks of revenue to start with and that's why it's much easier for sales to relate to marketing as well because he's nothing i mean he loves nice write-ups and colors and so on but that comes secondary if he's able to bring in leads that actually convert and close, this is what we're going to scale. So we have to run hand in hand or at least like to shake hands and I run off with the leads because I know those are going to close from the opportunities that are coming in for marketing. So, and also of course, in like a smaller startup as we are, so it's very little about events. It's more or less or like, what should we try out? 
what kind of test should we do now so sales can get more leads and then they can go and close them and that's where LinkedIn came in as well at that time like half an hour after that's that's amazing and when when you mentioned I mean the viewers probably couldn't see me because everyone was paying attention to you um but I was smiling from ear to ear when you mentioned the difference between how marketing is is done and perceived whether from the sales side or the marketing side at dream data versus those other companies and uh, i think a very important point you know i i keep referencing andrew smith we we had him as a guest on the season one where he says marketing is considered the arts and crafts department which is exactly more or less what you just described so what <laughs> so what what i'm really curious about is First of all, you know, probably if you could elaborate a bit, what exactly, I mean, I know you mentioned it in terms of the CRO and, you know, he gets and it's all about driving revenue and so on. But why, why, why do you think it was so difficult for marketers at those other companies to really see and perceive that how they execute marketing should be focused on revenue and not so much just, you know, events and the pretty colors and what looks nice? Like, why? I'm I'm trying to figure out what was the difference in mindset, um, not just with one person, but with the company and probably even the culture. Yeah. First, Andrew, I'm the biggest fan. I mean, his perceptions, I I, I really am the biggest fan. And he likes Dream Data as well. So it's like, what's not to like? Anyway, about what's the like the difference? Why some companies get it, why not? I think the companies I was at, they're also big enterprises with a lot of historics so when you grow to a certain size and if you've got the legacy of we are used to do it like this then it's very difficult to break through and try a completely different way of doing it so like a lot of people are starting to talk that for example is the arts whoever is calling out people are also a part of marketing this is never is perceived like that because this is how we used to see our department. So marketing is doing some of the campaigns and preparing us for events and getting the list of leads. So they're measured on leads. What do we, and more or less, what do we put into Salesforce? So that's not even like leads with backtracking and so on. The next thing is sales has always been measured like this. So did you get a lead by yourself? All right. Did you close it? Fantastic. Sales job is done. And nobody would even question, okay, should we put our SDRs or inside sales into a marketing team? Because this is what they are doing, basically. This is what they are doing. They're calling out. They're collaborating with marketing. And maybe you don't even need to move them into any teams or anything, but then do a closer collaboration. So each and every department start to understand what is it that we're working on. So it's not just out of the blue. It's like, oh, we have created this white paper. Now sales go out and sell it to your, uh, send it out to your, all of your leads to refresh them. Hmm. Okay, so maybe I could have began speaking about that before or something like that. So that closer collaboration, I think historically has been missing. And it will take a long time for companies like that to go back, not even go back, go forward and change the way they do it. It's... A little bit unfair for me to sit here and speak about how good we are at doing this because we're small. For us, our marketing is 
a tiny department of three people. And we're sitting in the same room with sales as well. So it's very easy for somebody to shout, ICP lead came in. That's like, and then we check out the attribution. Where did they come from? What did they do before? And so on. Oh, yes, I've also got this person on LinkedIn and so on. It's like, then you can create a picture of things that, that works. And if you could scale that with the mindset of that we're collaborating and working on this together, then, then it's possibly easier to build a culture on top of this. But I think enterprises are born this way. And it will take a long time to do that big change. But if they start to be measured on different things and just leads and collaborate more with sales and the other way around, that sales are also involved in marketing, planning and collaboration, then small steps will be taken towards the change as well. Touch on the point of what do you believe needs to happen? Um, well, let's let's assume not on an enterprise level, because as you mentioned, you know, a lot of those companies that already have certain way of doing things, certain procedures, policies, red tapes that makes it almost impossible for that collaboration to probably even happen. But let's say at a mid-market level or a small business or a startup, and they have the marketing team, no matter how small, they have the sales team, no matter how small, what, let's say that alignment is non-existent currently, what can they do? from both sides i guess mark well since you're the salesperson you can tell me from the sales end but also what do you believe needs to happen from the marketing side to allow that alignment to happen yeah so first of all and they need to start talking together this is kind of very cliche thing to say but like weekly meetings where if marketing is a part of sales pipeline reviews and the other way around that sales is invited into meetings where marketing is planning their initiatives, then you know what's going to come out in that department and the other department. Marketing will start seeing which of their leads are being talked about in the sales pipeline of use. What kind of problems are we not solving or not talking about on our website that our prospects are asking for? Then it's much easier for sales to start closing deals because marketing has started to get insights into Oh, they're asking about, I don't know, uh, security stuff and integrations. And we have been speaking about like thought leadership about something else. It's like shifting the mindset. What should we write more about? What kind of clients are actually closing? Now I'm moving a little bit into the data as well. So instead of just listening and asking, where have you, you heard about us from? You would know the full customer journey, which clients were easy to close, fast to close, which clients came in through a very expensive channel and then we're closed very fast. So you can start planning what type of clients and revenue are we bringing in from marketing side. From sales side, be interested in marketing, what marketing is doing, what marketing is asking for, what marketing is struggling with, because they want to do exposure like to as many people as possible that are your ICPs, like ideal customer profiles that might be ready to buy, but help them out. I mean, I've find it fun to be active on LinkedIn and build that demand from the side as well, like doing what a, a lot of people would say, like part of the marketing job. But that helps me sell as well. So if you start doing the alignment, understanding what one is measured upon and what, what do they need to do, and the other side as well, invite each other to the meetings, it will already bring a lot of that culture change with it.
That's a very good response. I love that response. Right, Laura. So you mentioned about certain metrics that both need to track and collaborate on. Probably you could share some of those metrics with the audience. Um, you know, probably some of the things that that you guys track at G- Dream Data that makes that alignment easier. Okay, so the most important metric for marketing and sales alignment is revenue, especially in this early stage of a startup. The only thing that matters is, are we able to close clients and how fast are we able to do that given the channels that they're coming from? So marketing is analyzing which channels and how fast are they going to convert that the clients are coming from, which ones are taking longer time, but maybe are cheaper to buy as well. So you can at the same time go fast and slow. That why that's the way you can predict your revenue as well in a way. It's like whatever you're getting inside when as long as you know how long your customer journey is going to take for those specific channels, then it's easier to predict when is it that we're going to close. So revenue, revenue, revenue and time as well. So if sales is doing their job by closing their deals and focusing on asking the right questions and being ready with anything that prospects are going to ask, like security, legal, and so on. As soon as that is covered, marketing is here to help out both with collateral for prospects to find answers by themselves, but also with like that early demand, building the demand from where people are actually investigating you from. But the only thing that we're like really, really measure is revenue and time. How long time does it take for the one or the other to to close to predict it and and my my question to that is because you mentioned in terms of that that conversion what what do you think or well not what do you think um what would you say that sales needs from marketing um to help them do a better job at selling and the reason why i ask that and this is my personal belief I believe that the quickest and easiest way for marketing to get buying at a C-suite level, especially with the sales team, is to help to make selling easier. Like once you can do that, whether that's to, you know, reduce the sales cycle, whether that's to attract higher value deals, whether that's to help increase different conversion points throughout the the buyer's journey, whatever the case may be. Um, So from your standpoint as a sales professional, what what do you need from marketers to do to help make the job of selling easier? To begin with, when I joined RimDead, I didn't know how to answer this question, but I had to watch Steph and do it. And it's like, you might think that everything comes from testing when you're a startup, but when you, you do some of the certain right things, you can see them working. So when I speak about each and every team, like sales and marketing, attending each other's meetings. Stefan is always in the sales pipeline reviews. Whenever he catches a question in the meeting or in our sales Slack channel that prospects are asking for, it is becoming a piece of content. That means prospects are asking for this. We have to write about that so we can help sales and answer the question faster. It's in writing. You can learn it by heart. You can send it over to your prospects, whatever it is. But the next time, very likely, we will not need to answer that question for the prospects because they would have found it in the sales process. In addition to that, then slowly, when we started to find out and do a little bit of outbound, then you start doing the higher level 
content writing. When you have answered most of the questions your prospects are asking for, you start building the top level. So now we're becoming thought leaders of like, I don't know, when we speak about time to revenue, you think about dream data. Why? Because you've seen this and that and that content. And we can send that content to our prospects as well because they are able to see what we stand for. And if they have heard those questions in the I don't know, management meetings and so on, then they have read about it within Dream Data as well, or have heard that on LinkedIn too. You you mentioned when you first started Dream Data, like the first six months, nothing worked. Um, I'm assuming that's when you decided to, to do a lot of social selling on LinkedIn. Is that correct? I'm assuming. It, it came as a surprise. I mean, I've always been like a resharing like master resharing company blogs and LinkedIn and they, those never worked and so on. But we started to create a little bit of content, but then we saw a spike by one content piece, like one post of mine that spiked our website visitors double and visitors first touch from social tripled that day of the post. And it was like the best day after we have announced our seed fund running, found running. And so, okay, let's do it more. That's cheap marketing. Fantastic. And then we started to do it very softly. Like, let's go for a dinner if we reach this and that. But then it stuck. I personally run every day and it stuck with me to post every day as well. This is kind of a routine I came into and to find out my cadence, to find out what to post about, what works, what kind of content is helping me to approach clients, what kind of content is helping me to grow my followers levels and so on. And we can see that this is a huge channel for Dream Data to create demand. And by that, with kind of all the insights from Stephanie seeing, asking our clients where they have heard about us from, and finally getting lost clients coming back and say, oh, seeing you all over the place on LinkedIn. And should we talk again? No shit. You haven't liked any of the posts, but, <laughs> but they're talking about that and, and kind of say, okay, this, this is working. So even for attribution platform advocates, not everything can be attributed and we have to create demand there where people are consuming content and trying to find the, the answers to their questions. Right. So let's say someone wants to replicate what you guys did at Dream Data. I mean, I know marketing more or less is, is, is bought into this because it's social media. So, of course, they're going to be all for posting content and engaging and so on. But how could they get the sales team now? Because obviously it's working for you guys at Dream Data um, with that marketing and sales alignment. What what business case or what case can they make to sales to say, hey, you guys should really start investing in social selling and, you know, we'll guide you as to how to do it. But this is something that you guys should definitely start doing and we should definitely partner on. Like, how can that have, how can marketing have that initial conversation with sales to get the ball rolling on that? Yeah, I get this question in my direct messages at least once a week from a marketer. And from a salesperson, I think a salesperson asked me maybe once, how do I enable my team to post more on LinkedIn? Somehow sales is still stuck in that way of selling that if we are to sell, it has to happen one-to-one. It's like, I'm selling to you. I'm having a meeting with you. I'm sending you an email. And this is how we're selling. Marketing wants to enable the salespeople to talk one-to-many. 
And the way I approach this is that, for example, if I post a post, I think about a prospect. I posted for a specific prospect that I have just connected with. I know they're dealing with this. I haven't approached them yet. I make this post about the problem that they're thinking about, but the post is to everybody. So I'm speaking one to many, thinking about that one person. So I'm doing outbound to that person. Maybe that person will not see it, but there will be other people seeing it the ones who find it relevant, because if they have that problem, others will have it too. And later, if I see engagement and when I do go kind of do the next steps of another post or maybe comment on their profile and so on, still, like in public, I'm not taking the people into like the dark corner to just have a conversation because this is something people are not used to do. It doesn't feel natural when you, Winston, are looking for a platform, let's say whatever B2B SaaS platform you're looking for, you would be looking for the information that is in public. You would never find a salesperson of whatever company X and write to that person, oh, look, I'm looking for this um, product. You would look in public. Maybe you would make a post. And then whenever somebody is trying to grab you into the comment, not into the comments, into one-on-one DMs, it feels like selling. This is not how you're buying. So in order to shift into the way your buyer is starting to buy, it's not one-on-one. Nobody wants to talk to sales unless they're actually buying. So to create that demand and to be able to capture the prospects that are cold, to warm them up, and later to move it to one-on-one when you have already got the credibility. It's like, okay, now we can talk because you actually are a smart person. So it's not just like sales who like to get commissions paid out. Then it's easier to do it. So marketing wants it. Sales, not yet, but I hope it will come because this is how the buyers do want to buy nowadays. Just a follow-up to to that question. Not sure if you're able to answer or not, but let me just throw it out there. So you talk about social selling from, you know, sales side and how marketing can get sales more involved. But what do you think about social selling internally in terms of how marketers can use social selling internally to help them increase their influence and autonomy within, you know, at a C-suite level, whether with the CEO or other C-suites to really buy into marketing, that marketing can be a value add to the organization. Through social selling? Right. So how how can marketing use social selling internally to get C-suite buying? How do you do social selling internally? Because they would have to sell certain... Because one of the biggest challenges with marketing is, and I think you did mention it, where there there isn't a lot... There, there, This is my opinion. I mean... Uh-huh. Others will disagree, but this is my opinion. Marketers don't do a good job demonstrating and communicating their value internally. Um, mm-hmm. So because of that, other non-marketing functions within the organization tend not to value marketing. So, you know, we know with social selling, we're selling to external um, customers because we want them to purchase our product or service. Could Could the same approach be used internally to get the internal customers, which would be the CEO and other C-suites to really buy into marketing? I really think that results and alignment to revenue will play a bigger role here. 
The reason I think marketing does not have that much of a buy-in and still is thought of as being like arts and crafts department is that it treats itself like that. It's like, oh, we're the creatives, we're creating the demand and like people will come and buy at their own pace and so on. Uh-huh, right. A year after, we don't see that marketer in the company anymore. And those arts and crafts are not visible. And C-suite knows that because they have been changing roles as well in many times. And that's when it's like, okay, these beautiful pictures are very pretty. I can use them as, at an event, but that doesn't bring a lot to our clients at all. So I think that marketing has to start changing the way they are reporting up on their results. Start reporting on pipeline in case you're not able to map it out directly to revenue. As soon as you start reporting on pipeline, how did you affect pipeline? Which type of clients that you brought in through marketing have actually converted? Which campaigns have worked? How money did you use? And if you use that double amount of that money on that specific channel or campaign, if you're able to bring double results, you will get triple of that budget. And everybody will love it because you're going to talk the language that C-suite is not used to hear from marketing, but they're used to able to hear that from any other department, speak with finance, speak with sales. Everybody's talking about the bottom line. How are we changing this? Talk to operations. They're, they're helping out on the middle layer to calculate the full bottom line of the company. So, so if you are able to punch in the top line. The rest are responsible for other numbers. There you go. You are an equal member of the revenue generation family in the company. So what's not to like? I think this is the way. I don't think this is like the social massaging in the company. Nobody needs that. They know you're creative, you're making beautiful pictures and so on. You can like, yeah, not everybody can do it, but in order to bring value, Talk numbers, focus on your clients, and you'll get the buy-in, I think. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And and you said something and it brought me back to a conversation I was having with um a, a potential client I was doing a discovery session with. And just based on who I was speaking, he said to me, you don't really sound like a marketer. And I said, what do you mean? So, well, because you're talking about things like revenue and, and profitability and, you know, and I'm saying, really, it's like, yeah, most marketers don't don't talk like that. So I found that very interesting. So the mere fact that you're, you're repeating the same thing here, um, it, it tells me that there really is a disconnect between marketers and what their focus needs to be to really show that value and to get that buy-in. My, well... I guess you could you could call it my final question. This is a question I ask everyone because I, I like to get different opinions and perspectives on this. Um, because you know the running theme now for the longest time has been never work for a CEO who doesn't get marketing. I'm 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 not going to tell you my 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 opinions or perspectives on that, but I just want to hear what are your thoughts on on that phrase. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's very easy to say because I work for a CEO who gets marketing, who bets all the bets on marketing. I have <laughs> heard him commenting negatively on outbound from sales. 
because it doesn't work that well, in his opinion. So he is the CEO who gets marketing and possibly doesn't get outbound of sales just yet. <laughs> but, but it's working out very well. And not to, like, if you are a marketer and are being hired by a CEO, there are certain things that you need to check out and feel for yourself. How will you feel about that? Like, if you're asking the person about your expectation, what they're going to measure you upon and so on, so if we are getting into the arts and crafts department and you are that type of a marketer because there are companies who hire for those people and there are people who want those roles. Perfect. But if you are a marketer focused on results, on revenue and so on, and your CEO thinks this is an arts and crafts department, you might have a very hard time selling that into the C-level, that this is not how we're doing. They will love the idea, but they will still get back to you with Excel sheets or PowerPoints and ask you to make them beautiful. And that might be hard for a marketer. So depending on where you are, what type of a person you are for, for the role that you're looking for, be careful. You might not want to work for a CEO who doesn't get marketing. That's that's an excellent response. I think that's probably the most balanced response I've ever heard. Uh, because usually people are either for, for or against that, that whole statement. Yeah, but possibly because I'm in sales and I haven't experienced this. So well, I needed yeah, to that's a good point. take a politically correct answer. <laughs> so, Laura, before you actually go, um, is there anything else? Because... The, the the theme or the concept for this podcast is educating marketers on how to prove their value at a C-suite level. I mean, we've had a lot of discussions around that, but just in case there isn't anything that I touched on or didn't a question I didn't think to answer, is there any closing thoughts that you can leave us with? I think education in like what marketing is bringing into the table is very, very important. So... I mean, if there is not that much to educate for your C-level and they're expecting you to bring this, then it's very easy. Then you only need to look into the data, cleanse it up and start showing the results. But if it is a long road to go, you will not be able to get that fancy tools and so on to show those results. Then you'll have to do the hard work with like collecting Excel sheets and doing the tedious work to show your value actually. And as soon as they see it, then it will be easier for you to kind of, yeah, offload your operations department with all of your data questions and so on and get yourself a tool that you're able to actually show the revenue for for the sea level because this is what they're measuring you for and this is what you're they're going to fire you for if they don't see it really yeah good point you 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 answer questions really well can i tell you like i love your responses if if people need to connect with you and and you know reach out to you where, where can they go i'm on linkedin don't look at my tiktok now I said that, I know you're going to look at it. It's like yeah. a trial and error stuff, but I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn more or less all the time. Not in the mornings, I schedule my posts, but but reach out to me. I'm Laura Evan. I'm on LinkedIn and I would love to connect with y'all. Awesome. Well, Laura, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom, giving your perspective on point of view. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Winston.
This has been the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Join us next week where we have more amazing content to help you demonstrate, communicate, and prove your value at the C-suite level. I'm Winston, your host, and this is a wrap.